Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. This show was originally recorded as a bonus episode. Alejandro Baranyak reached out quite a while back and said, Hey, I've been listening to the show and I've got a story of my own, but I, I, it's just about an accident. It's about uh, making a mistake, trying not to be inconvenienced, and something many as many of us have done, you know, trying to land at a train station and putting it into a small place. Nick Grease has talked a lot about the dangers of trying not to be inconvenienced. And he was racing in the Verico Fly for the first time, doing a hike and fly race in the Alps and the Volus. We've talked a lot about the Verico Fly on the on the podcast. And it was a year that uh, there was quite a few other accidents that year. This was two years back, I believe. And they actually ended up canceling the race because there were so many. But this is a, a talk with Alejandro. It's a short one, just about what went wrong and some of the takeaways and what he learned from it. And he also sent me a little email afterwards that said that we, one of the things we didn't talk about was the importance of talking to somebody, talking to an expert about your accident. And he feels strongly that this was one of the reasons he didn't have a fear injury after it. So in the end, it all came out okay. He had a lot of injuries that he's had to and still dealing with, but a good lesson here. So have a listen to Alejandro's story about participating in the Verco Fly and the day that went a little sideways. Enjoy. Alejandro, welcome to the mayhem. I understand you're you're busy with a couple little ones, and you're you're living right where the Verico Fly starts. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've been living here since three years, and it's been a few more since I moved to Switzerland. And you're from Spain. Yeah, correct. What part? Um, Catalonia. Ah. I grew up at the seaside, but my mom comes from a village in the Pyrenees where paragliding started in Spain. So I did spend all my holidays there, and I've seen people flying since I was, I don't know, two or three years old. How long have you been flying? Um, so officially, I think it's been 11 or 12 years. Okay. But the first five years, I don't really count them because I did do my instruction. But then I, I, did, I was a student. I didn't have money for gear. So I was flying only in summer when I was renting some gear from my instructor. And I... I think I checked and there were two or three years where I did two or three flights per year. And was that so, in the Pyrenees? Yeah, that was in the Pyrenees. There were guided flights, although I had finished my instruction um, or my training. Um, but I really do count flying when I got my own gear and I started flying on my own, which was um, 2015, so eight years ago. And was the impetus to move to Switzerland because of flying or work? Um, no, it was more work. I was uh, finishing my, my master's in engineering and I had to do my master thesis in a company. And I found a, a research institute that, that uh, accepted me uh, near, near Geneva. And I moved there and I mean, yeah, that's the Alps are really close by. There are some other smaller mountains, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes from where I was living. So that was a big plus for me. 
because uh, although I grew up in at the seaside, uh, I've always been more of a mountain person. And yeah, that, that was uh, a big, big plus. And then uh, where I was uh, doing my master's thesis, a couple of years later, I continued working there. I met my wife, who uh, she's from Austria and she's very much into skiing. And yeah, we then decided to, to stay in the area. I got a, found a, later on a job in, in Valles or Valais. I don't know what word you use in yeah, English. And uh, yeah, when I, when I came here to the area for the interview, I was like, wow, yeah, this, this place is good. I saw the high peaks uh, with the snow and so on, although it was September. So yeah, uh, I was straight away hooked on. And uh, yeah, then moving to Vercoran, which is a village with a paragliding school and so on, was also not so much my idea. Uh, we were living down in the valley in, in the capital, although it's a small town, it's 30,000 people. And we wanted to move to a quieter place. And my, my wife really pushed a bit for Vercoran because among other things, it has a a gondola that takes you from down in the valley up so you don't depend so much in the car and and yeah we we ended up getting an apartment here and we're really really happy i i've, I've been i've have i've got this fantasy that i'm going to move the family over to the alps after i get this house built built done we'll hopefully move in in july and not not permanently i think you know this is where we're going to live but uh I'd love to come over for, you know, I used to do a lot of tooling around before I had Fallon. I had the Niviac mobile. I had this motorhome and Heimer. And I spent a lot of years and years with Bruce, you know, in the Alps uh, mm -hmm. getting to know it. And then of course with the X Alps and stuff, but I'd, I'd love to come back and just spend an entire summer. And it's good to hear that you've transplanted yourself from another country and it's all working out. Cause do you speak German? No, uh, yes, but uh, not super fluently. I can go to Germany or Austria and yeah, manage myself without needing someone to translate. Um, but where I'm living, it's still with they speak French, mm. and I, yeah, I do French speak side. French, and that that's fine. Yeah, um, but the German part is really really close by. Um, uh, but I don't. I think I would say it's a bit different for Austria, but in the in Switzerland, in the unless you go to a very remote place, all the German speakers speak quite good English. So yeah, can, it's pretty easy. You can get around it? easily. Yeah, it's also civilized in the Alps. I I, I love it. <laughs> it's it's so fantastic. Uh, okay, so what's your hike and fly background? Because we're going to be talking about the Verco fly and the unfortunate yep. incident. Was that last year? No, that was uh, almost two years. Two ago. years ago, the two right, the one ago, that yeah. the one that Nick, uh, the one they canceled. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll, exactly. we'll talk about the weather and why they did that and what was going on. I mean, I know there was a bunch of accidents, but uh, what's your hike and fly history? Um, so while learning how to paraglide, nothing. Um, I learned with heavy gear, uh, the traditional way where I learned in the Pyrenees. It's you go with the. It's not like the Alps, so you have to take the. The minivan up on not a great road. I don't know how they continue getting companies to rent them minivans to those schools in summertime because they just destroy them. Um, and uh, then uh, when I had to buy my gear, I I wanted it to have like a reversible harness. I didn't want to carry those massive backpacks which are not so comfortable. They have changed a lot, but like ten years ago they were like yeah. Just mm. for 10 minute walks or so, they were okay, but otherwise it was horrible. But it was a heavy, it was, yeah, on today's standards, it was a heavy kit. I think I was carrying 15 kilos around. 
Um, and where I was living next to Geneva in Switzerland, um, there's uh, some small mountains called the Jura Mountains. Um, and I had maybe 800 meters of denivelation from the parking spot to the top of the mountain. And that's, that's how I started my... Yeah, but I was a bit younger. I was uh, stronger. And um, and that's how I started. Um, might have been a bit... Uh, not the most... Um, I would not recommend the same way to to start for someone that had my experience back in the day, um, because yeah, it, it's the takeoff is not the easiest. Um, wind is always a bit cross there, but yeah, that, that's how I started. We didn't have so much access nearby to where I was living, to chairlifts or some sort of a lift, and uh, yeah, and I was always sort of attracted. I think it was around that time when I started following the X apps. So mm. I'm talking about 2015. Mm -hmm. So there was not that much hike and fly back then. As At least it was not that, um, what's the word? Um, yeah, trendy or 90% yeah. of pilots every weekend. were... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, COVID really then, kicked that uh, off, didn't it? I mean, it was it was interesting to watch what happened at least in Europe, way more than it did here. Uh, but the the lockdowns and the closing of the resorts just put everybody on their feet. You know, it was it was it just it closed down the gondolas and the chairs, and and everybody had to hike to get some, and so they did. It was it was, and I, I just man, it's taken off. It's pretty yeah, pretty cool. I, it's true. I never thought about it, but I, I know that it it did the same thing with ski touring yeah a lot of people got into ski touring because of covid yeah and uh, yeah yeah probably also on uh, with um, with paragliding and around that time a, a friend of mine who's become a really really good friend uh, who was working uh, the same company as i was um, he got into flying um, he he's german did his training in germany he took some week or two weeks off did the training there and then came back and and he's extremely fit. He's a biker. He he really really is fit. And and we started doing hike and fly together. And yeah, then it continued. And I I basically I have two kits for flying, like what I call my heavy kit, which is not heavy, um, but it's more like a hike and fly or cross. And then the light one, which is used to be a single skin wing with a really minimalistic harness and a front container. Mm. Um, but with the yeah. Um, air quotes, uh, heavy kit. Um, I do, yeah. Sometimes I take the lift because where I'm living, there's a tiny ski resort and there's a lift that can take you up the mountain, or I go hiking. And yeah, I, I really like that feeling that you can go a bit wherever you want and taking off. And had yeah. you done other hike and fly races or events before the Verco Fly two years ago? Um, no, I had been a supporter for this friend of mine, Jochen, at the um, Born to Fly in Nancy, mm -hmm. uh, the previous year. Um, I did hike a bit with him to takeoffs and so on, but uh, not as a race, no. And I, I had the I had the Verco Fly founder on the show quite a while yeah. back, so people that have listened to that know. But just refresh us on how the Verco Fly works, because it's it's a really cool race. It's unsupported. Yeah, exactly. It, it's unsupported because it's taking place in this area of, of the Alps where we have so many huts. Yep. So there are two categories, like the pro and the adventure category. The pro is obviously for pros or really good pilots. You, they, they don't take anyone. You have to be accepted. 
Um, in that one, there's like um, there's a rank at the end of the race, and um, they get points depending on um, the number of flights they do per day and how big they are. It's a bit complicated to to understand the ranking system. And when you following it follow it live, you have no idea who's first and who's yeah. second. So yeah, yeah, it, it's more for the pilots than for the people at home. And then for the adventure category, there's a series of tasks to do, but there's no ranking. So no one will, you, you could lie if you want, but it's, it's about having a good time. And mm. the goal is to tick as many huts as you can from, a, from a, a list they give you and then pass through some places. Like if you go to the top of this mountain hiking or even flying, you get a bonus point. If you swim into this mountain lake, you get some more points. Mm. If you have an omelette in this uh, hut uh, lost in the forest, you get also some points. So, yeah, the, the goal is to have fun. Mm. That sounds just and amazing. It's, it's what a, what a it good is. time. Wow, very cool. And it's the fact that it's unsupported, it's great for people that, I mean, yeah, having someone that will say, okay, yeah, I will follow you during three days. And it, I don't care if the weather's good. I will do whatever you tell me. I'll cook for you. We'll sleep in a van. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll um, cheer you up when you're down. And I'll. Uh, it's it's not that easy for everyone, especially if you come. I mean, if it's in next door, yeah, you'll find probably a friend that's able to do that. But I mean, to the Vekofly, we've had people coming all the way from Norway, so I can imagine that it's not easy for someone like that to. To find a supporter so that the concept's really good and and i think they even should try to sell it a bit more from the environmentally friendly point of view because it's a mm. bunch of cars that are not running around mm. following the, the pilots yeah that's true there you know uh, hans is always talking about wouldn't it be cool to have the noble red bull x alps you know the, <laughs> just just no rules no uh, no supporters just you in the mountains and 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 going for it and that would be tough as a 12 day race for sure, but it would be, it would be pretty interesting, you know, cause it, every edition gets a little bit more strict in a sense because of the airspace and the parks and, you know, there's, there's a lot to it, but the, you know, a huge component, both expense wise and also just uh, logistics wise is your team. Of course it's, it's critical and it's nice to be able to just go race. I, I was laughing with Ben, my supporter, all four of the races last year because he, he's done all my training or sorry, last night because he's done all my training. We were, we were talking about this race that I host called the X red rocks here in the fall. And, you know, in all the races I've done, I've totally had to rely on my team for pretty much everything other than flying and, you know, the cooking and the mapping and the navigate. I mean, I land and within four minutes, I've got a route to the next spot. And so to do a bunch of these without them is going to be great because it's going to force me to figure all that stuff out. Yeah. I've always just relied on them for everything. And so I, I like these self-supported ones that are, that are great. And it's four days, right? The Verico fly. Yeah. Four days. Yeah. Okay. So this one, unusually for that time of year had quite strong weather is that correct i saw a lot of posts um, about it yeah i wouldn't call it like that just just let me go back for a second sure. uh this was my second edition of the veco fly i had ah, okay. um, participated the, the previous year okay in the yeah. adventure category both yeah yeah okay yeah, both yep. both both i don't have the physical or the flying level for the pro category okay um yeah um so looking, I have a little bit of a video because I had a shitty GoPro, which, uh, uh, yeah, the battery uh, turned off uh, in the middle of my only flight that year. 
Um, but it was not that strong. Um, I do remember talking with uh, Laurent Borella, uh, the organizer, on the phone uh, from hospital on the, the day after. Um, and, and he told me that it was strange. The, there was something strange in the air. Um, he could not say exactly what it, it was. I mean, it was thermic, it was August, um, so it was sunny, and yeah, people were going up easily. But the previous year had been much stronger. We, the first day we had crazy west wind, and you could see people flying up to uh, 4,000 meters and more, sometimes only soaring on the mountain. Um, it was not that strong, but it was simply... There was something different, strange. I don't know exactly what it was, but I do know that was not the cause for my accident. Mm. Okay, so take us um, through. Yeah. Okay. So um, the the race starts at the top of the ski resort. There's a a nice restaurant there. You do all the checkups. Uh, you sign whatever you have to sign, and and then they they do a countdown, and you start hiking, or you can take off if you want, because there's a takeoff there, and. Uh, yeah, uh, my my wife came to see the the takeoff because we at that time she was with my my son who was uh, only six months old, and I remember telling her, yeah, the goal is to have fun and to in four days get back home in one piece, and because um, I wanted to take it easier than the previous year. Uh, the previous year I had been a bit stressed during the race, and so I wanted to do well, and and this year I just wanted to have fun, so. Most of the participants just start hiking up uh, towards a ridge that's just, uh, let's say, direction south. And um, yeah, you get to to a small mountain, like which takes about 45 minutes hiking. Th that's the first of the bonus points for the adventure category. You send a selfie of yourself to 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 the organizers and yeah, you're supposed to have the, the, that bonus. And then uh, 10 minutes after that, there's a nice place for taking off where I have taken off plenty of times. I prepared myself, but I could see that I was a bit in a rush, but I thought it was still fine. I took off. It was a bit windy as it is usually there at around that time of the day, um, but it was a good takeoff. And then I, I sort of, uh, I thermaled a bit and then I reached sort, um, following some of the pilots and I, in the direction of the first hut that you have to tick either on the ground or on the on the air for the adventure category, the pros have to land. And uh, yeah, I ticked it, was happy, and I was direction the next one. And if you want, I can read to you my note that I wrote to myself two years ago after the accident. Mm. Um, first flight of the Vercofly, could take off, flew well over Bec de Bosson, which is the first hut and one direction Prafleury, which is another hut. Didn't have enough altitude to cross the, the valley, so I decided to land next to the chairlift of Evelyn. Here I must say that at the adventure category, they allow you to take public transport and, and chairlift or gondolas uh, if there are. Uh, I must have been in the rotor because on final approach, I had a lot of speed, got sudden lift and crashed against two cars in the car park. Broken left femur, surgery, broken left collarbone, uh, T11, so the vertebra was also cracked, and compressed right ankle. Shit. So, yeah, to to explain, to give a bit more of context, I, I was crossing the valley and I took a, a bad line. I saw other pilots doing well and the, the very good ones uh, far away in the distance, I could see them that they were high. I, I took a, a bad line and I had 
think, but yeah, I was like, okay, well, shit, I, I will have to land somewhere. And uh, I had the option of landing on the mountain and then having to walk maybe, I don't know, half an hour, a bit more, and being in a place where I could have taken off again. The place where I could have landed on the mountain was, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit steep, but not, nothing crazy, full of grass, um, no obstacles around it. The wind was coming down the mountain at that point, and I'm like, nah, 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 don't complicate yourself. You can land here, but you said you wanted to have, make it safe. Go land down in the valley. And while I was in direction to the valley, um, I had several landing options. One, which is the official in that village, which is massive. It's bigger than a football field. Um, but I wanted to take the chairlift. And I'm like, ah, if I land here, it will take me at least half an hour to make it to the chairlift. Ah, no, let's land next to the chairlift to save this half an hour. I mean, that, that's really stupid when you think, <laughs> yeah, when you think about it. But at that moment, I'm like, nah, let's, let's save that half an hour um, to have more time in the day for hiking and flying and so on. And I told myself, yeah, let's land next to the chairlift. You've landed there in the past. Um, and uh, it was an non-event. Uh, I, I did land there like three or four times. So I, I convinced myself it's going to be fine. The thing I didn't tell myself is that I landed there always in October, November. No thermal activity, covered sky, um, no valley wind. So, yeah, no problem. That day, yeah, it was summer. There was thermals. Uh, there was quite some valley wind. And the place where I landed or where I crashed... Um, it's just behind a, a cliff, and when you look at it on Google Maps, uh, or sorry, on Google Earth, and yeah, you can share the the flight if you want for people to to check exactly where I crashed. It's clear that it's it's on the lee of of a big obstacle. That the the chances of having rotor are really, really, really high. Mm. But I don't know why. On the air, I remember seeing that cliff and telling myself, "Oh, yeah, that's a big cliff." But I sort of convinced myself it's. It was going to be fine, and uh, I, uh, I, I was uh, yeah going to to the landing spot, and for some reason I don't know I, I always do I always check my speed to know where the wind is coming from, but uh, I cannot tell exactly why I didn't do it. Maybe it was because I had landed there already in the past and I was used to landing whatever direction there, or because I had done quite some uh, top landings that summer and I was yeah confident w with my landing abilities but um, yeah I, I was doing uh, on the final landing approach the the I don't know how you call it in English but here they call it a volta like a U like airplanes do so you go downwind then crosswind and then uh, against the wind and when I was going crosswind um, Wow, I, I just got lift and so much speed. I could feel it because I was really close to the ground. So I had the reference to see, wow, I'm really going fast. And uh, I totally lost control. Um, and then I don't remember the moment of the crash. I just remember a couple seconds before, but I, I just crashed into two cars. And uh, my Vario uh, reading says that I went from about 45 kilometers an hour to zero at that Ooh, moment. So I, I crashed really, really fast. Ooh. Luckily, um, I saw it coming just a bit before and I had my legs out. And I think that, yeah, saved me from hard, like from a bigger injury because uh, my, my gear was perfect. Mm. I checked it out afterwards uh, when uh, when it was given back to me after I got back from hospital. And 
the harness had nothing, not even a scratch. Mm. I just landed with my, my legs against uh, the car and yeah, and, and I broke my, my femur. At, I remember sending a message to my wife uh, when the rescuers got to me because until the rescuers got to me, my memory is a bit, uh, it's not very much there. I don't know if I, I passed out or it's because of the painkillers they gave me. But I remember telling my wife, hey, I, I, I've I, injured my leg. They're taking me to hospital. Uh, not a big deal. Uh, I, I should be fine soon. Thinking, yeah, it's just maybe the um, TBS, something like that. But it was much more than that. And I got found that, that in, about that in hospital. Um, and yeah, then I remember again being in the helicopter, um, completely naked except my underwear, my phone and my wallet. And just texting my wife, like I was so high with the painkillers. It was difficult to, to focus and, and read the screen. Um, and then, yeah, um, arriving uh, at the ER and getting uh, all the tests, the, the x-rays, the scans, and yeah, give, getting given the, the bad information. I got surgery that same night. And, and then, yeah, I was for a couple of days in hospital until I could go home. Um, then what, what did the recovery look like? Was it a year or was it how, how long did it take? Um, uh, it's, it's difficult to say. So, uh, I'm not a newbie in hospitals or in injuries. So, um, <laughs> I, I know what to do to recover fast or to at least be able to be a bit mobile. But, uh, in hospital, they told me I, w I would have to stay one week there and then they would send me to some rehab center close to home like half an hour from home um and i was like shit I, I was feeling horrible because i was leaving my wife at home with a six months old kid and i'm was being like uh, yeah useless um i was really being bad uh, feeling bad and i was telling the my, the doctor no 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 i can i cannot stay this long in hospital and i cannot go for a month to a rehab center uh, has to be better and he told me hey Look, we'll we'll see better because this was on a Saturday. We'll see better next week on Monday or Tuesday how you are feeling. And I mean, three days after I could manage uh, with one crutch because since I broke a collarbone, I could not use two crutches to kind of limp to the bathroom and to more or less be not super dependent. And I convinced them to let me go home. And yeah, then at home, it was not easy for the first, I would say, month. Um, but yeah, after three weeks from, since the accident, I started getting physio at home and I, if I'm not mistaken, I was not allowed to fully put all the weight of my leg for almost three months. Mm. Um, Jeez. but yeah, my, my first flight is uh, less than three months after the accident. And, uh, so that was mid November and end of November, I started skiing already. So, yeah, when the physio was uh, laughing at me for doing that, the doctor was not so happy, um, but, but it was okay. Um, I mean, I, I was taking care. I was not skiing like crazy. Uh, also, the flight, it was simply um, down flights, no thermaling with a big, uh, big landing to, to land and, and taking it really, really easy. Um, and to feel fully recovered, I would say that, yeah, six months afterwards, I was running without pain. Mm. Uh, maybe a bit before, but yeah, after six months, I was really feeling good. It's a good outcome. Mentally, yeah, mentally it was a bit tougher. Mm. Uh, next summer, uh, the first flights were 
were a bit difficult. Um, now I would say I feel fine from a mental point of view for flying, but yeah, it uh, that 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 took longer. Hmm. Do you? So you had? It would, would you define it as a fear injury? Um. So, the the cause of the injury? No, the 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 outcome or. No, just coming back to it, you know, that the, there's been some studies now and, you know, my friend Jessica loves working on it for her thesis for fear injuries, but there's, you know, the, the, any kind of trauma that we experience can, the, especially from the mental side can often be pretty debilitating when you're trying to partake again. And it doesn't have to be in flying. It could be in whatever, driving a car, it could be. It, it's kind of a, I think it's pretty tied to a PTSD type uh, scenario where it's just, you know, you, you start having a lot of irrational fear. Um, no, I would not say so much for this accident, but I did um, break my tibia and fibula in a ski accident uh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand how it happened exactly. It was with a skittering binding and it did not release. And yeah, I broke it before falling. Um, and that, that I do have still a fear injury from that one mm. um, because uh, I, I still have not recovered my confidence while skiing. Yeah. Um, I used to push a lot. And now whenever there is hard snow and I'm on touring skis, I'm, I'm scared. Yeah. 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 I- Breaking breaking things hurts. You don't you don't want to break yeah, things it does, again. It, does, you know? it, does, it sucks. It sucks having surgery. Yeah. Did I miss anything? Anything you wanted to add that we didn't talk about? Um, yeah, something I would tell to pilots that have gone through a serious accident like I did: get their gear checked by a friend, by an instructor after the accident. I mm. my gear was not damaged uh, in my crash. My, my harness was destroyed because the rescuers just cut through everything. Um, but it, it really was, there was no scratches. The wing looked fine. But when I went to ground handle uh, before my first flight, I could see that the lines, especially close to the risers, they were quite stiff. I had huh. no idea what it is. What, what, why was that? A friend of mine told me maybe they were in contact with, um, um, I had my, my ah, water bottle a with some... No, 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 they didn't burn. Oh. Um, I had my water bottle with some uh, electrolytes in which ah. had spilled around the harness and a friend of mine told me maybe it was that anyway i sent it to uh, get it checked by advance uh, who yeah my wing was an advance and and the guy there told me i've been working here more than 10 years and i've never seen anything like this i recommend you to to change the lower lines which i did because yeah it's not worth like it was maybe 200 euro compared so the to, salt in the electrolytes maybe the salt I, I'm, maybe i'm not or... sure Wow. But uh, yeah, I would recommend because my, my wing was in, in, the, in the cabinet for like three months almost before I saw that. So just get it checked while you're recovering. If it needs to get repaired, get it repaired. And then when you're better, you can straight away go fly. Yeah. So, the, I mean, and I'm sure you've broken this down a million times, but the reason you reached out with the, the podcast we did with Nick and Russ, uh, Nick, I think, mentions he's got a better way to articulate it than I am now, but you'd never be afraid to be inconvenienced. That's one of the, one of the 
many, many people have gotten hurt because of doing exactly what you did. They don't, uh, this will save me 20 minutes of walking. This will be, it'd be better to land at the train station. It'd be better to land on the road. It'd be better to, and, and we all do it. Uh, and then of course, in retrospect, especially if you get hurt, you think, yeah, that was ridiculous. Could have walked a half an hour, you know, I'm here to have fun, but there, so that's, that's the obvious one to me, but there, there are, you know, and again, it's not a knock on you. We all do it, but it's, you know, it's just the human, <laughs> it's, the, it's a very human thing, but yeah. What are, what are some of the other things that, you know, it sounded like maybe you were in a little bit of a hurry on launch. What are, what are the, what are the things you've carried with you that you're trying to avoid now? Uh, complacency. Just yeah. because you've landed in a, in the same spot doesn't mean it's going to be always the same. Mm. Um, so, so treat it as, as if it was a new landing spot each time, mm. get out of the harness early. Um, if I would have stayed in the harness, probably I would have really injured my, my pelvis or my back. And that, that could have meant paralysis mm. in my lower limbs. So really get out of the harness early. Um, then yeah, for hike and fly races, um, except for the pros, which will probably not pay that much attention to this episode, but like, just go to enjoy it. Just think about it. Like, yeah, for sure. It's nice to keep up with everyone and, and, and fly with more people or hike with other people. And you can talk meanwhile, but, but if you cannot follow, cause you're not as fit as the others, or you, you're not as good as flying as the others, don't push it. Just bring it a little bit down. Cause you're going to be tired. It's going to be probably new terrain. Um, bring it a little bit down and, and just enjoy it. And if it's just, you have like an hour flying a day and you spend seven hours hiking, yeah, doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, what's important is to get back home in one piece. I, I'm, I'm really tailoring this to the, um, to people like me that don't make a living out of it and, and don't want to make a rank out of those competitions. Just really go there to enjoy it. And, and you'll have time to talk at landing with other pilots or at the hut or when the race finishes. You know, that easier said than done though, isn't it? I mean, as, as a race yeah. race organizer, I'm really listening in to what you're saying because it's, it's, it's very interesting from that side of things. Uh, you know, the, the first X-Red Rocks we did, we didn't score the adventure category because in our minds we thought, you know, you remove the scoring, you remove the, the desire to go really hard and everybody will just have fun. No one will race, but everybody still raced. Didn't matter, you know, and then the feedback was, is they, they want to be scored. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's, the, it's, yeah. again, it's the human condition. And uh, like I, you I've talk about it with the, in the past. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you're absolutely right. And we need to meditate on that and actually live it. But the, but it's hard to do that. And the, the, the other thing, I mean, even with the Verco fly, like you're talking about, it's really geared towards fun. However, you're getting bonus points for an omelet at a, you know, you're the, it's still geared towards getting more points, even if you're only in the adventure category, if I understand that correctly. And so I, I, this is no knock on Laurent at all. That's awesome. It's so fun. And it's really geared towards fun. And yet, if I was participating in it, I'd want the most points. <laughs> I'd still want to get all those points. I'd still want to, you know, I'd yeah. still want, if, if, 
what's great is there it sounds like you know they're not rewarding top landing it's you can you can hit a you can hit a, a hut or a waypoint in the air in the adventure category which is exactly how we do it with the x red rock so the pros have to land the adventure category can hit it on the ground or in the air so they're not they're not incentivized to, to top land but which is in my mind where hike and fly racing gets really dangerous is the top landing so especially when you're tired and all those things but it's you know, I fully hear you and I, there's nothing I could disagree with whatsoever, but man, it's hard to, it's hard to have yeah. a race and not have it be a race. That's the thing. I mean, I, it, I, I know. or an event it, it, or whatever you want to call these things. And yeah. you have the different categories. We've got three now. We have the Academy and the Adventure and the Pro and the Academy won't be scored. They can fly the same course that the Adventure do and they're getting mentoring and everything else, but I guarantee they're going to race too. Uh, you know, the ones, because it's just the environment that the environment is, is such that, yeah, I want to go have fun with my friends, but it'd be nice to beat them too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I I understand. Um, I I fully understand. And and I've been in that position of like wanting to be scored because the first year I participated, there was no scoring for the adventure category. And I was like, I would, I would have liked to know how yeah. I did compared how'd to the you, How do you shape up? You know, how did, how yeah. did you do? And, and um, it's, it's nice to have the points thing. It's... Yeah. So what I, there's something I, I proposed to Laurent last year. It, it was not, it did not happen. Uh, I don't know why, but um, I don't know how it, ha- how you organize the X Red Rocks, but in the Vacofly, most of the pilots, or I would say almost all of them, unless they live really nearby, they arrive to Vacon, they are, the the evening before the flight the race starts and i proposed him hey why let's say that we can make this as an uh, uh, an optional activity let's have dinner at some pizza place all together and some pilots can give their um their experience from other uh, other races and i was willing to to give mine of, of how my accident happened and maybe that would calm down or or put into perspective pilots like me um, that, uh, yeah, they're just there for fun and it's really not worth it for half an hour, like pushing it and, and maybe having an accident like I had. But I, I know it's difficult. Uh, people will keep on risking, but at least, yeah, making them a bit more aware. And ma- when you give maybe a, um, how's, what's the expression? Like a um, first person experience? Or- yeah. First-hand experience. Yeah. Um, uh, you can transmit a bit better what happened. It's not simply the race organizer, which is a really good pilot telling them, be careful, don't risk it here, don't do this, don't do that. It's someone that just had a bad accident and it's like you the year before. And yeah. Mm. Good thoughts. Alejandro, thanks for sharing your story. I'm glad you're all recovered. It's fantastic to hear the kids in the background. And uh, sorry, I'm sure, no, and I'm sure they're 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 pretty stoked to have their pops. So, the glad you made it through it. Glad you're still flying, and hope to see you in a future Verco fly. I've, I've been threatening to come over and do one forever. It's just always tough timing for me. But if this if this Alps dream that I have comes together and I move the family over there, my goal is just to do all of them. Borders to fly and Chablay and, <laughs> and Verco and just do a bunch of other, because my only experience really is, is the X-Alps. So, but thanks for sharing your story and I'm glad you're all right. You're welcome. Thank you, Gavin, for having me.
If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes costs. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription and it makes all of this possible. I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people, and these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear. We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us then just let me know and i'll set you up with an account of course that'll be lifetime and hopefully and you're being in a position someday to be able to support us but you'll find all that on the website uh all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought cloud-based mayhem merchandise t-shirts or hats or anything you should be all set up you should have an account and you should be able to access all that bonus material now thank you so much for listening i really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show thank you